Houston now, huh? Yeah, for the time being. Okay. Yeah. This is where I'm from originally. Yeah. Pandemic sent everybody everywhere, man. Yeah. Vegas is in a rough spot, man. Yeah. From what I hear, I haven't been back since probably July. Yeah. Um, well, Georgia was one. It's kind of funny. I got some some guys I play some music with and whatever. And one of them is uh, he's gone out to my home in Colorado. Mm-hmm. And he said, yeah, they're so jealous of Georgia, you know, because we were keeping bars open and place, places to play. And people were, you know, doing stuff and going out and live stuff, this, that and the other thing. And now we're just getting hit in the face, you know, because it's yeah. like now <laughs> because we've been open. Now we're all closed again because you people didn't pay attention. Texas has had like probably two or three of those occurrences. Yeah. And now we're at the point where business owners are just like, whatever, like you, we're going to do what we want. You know, yeah. it's, it's a whole other world down here to be honest with you. I've heard other places are still locked down just as much as they were before, but like we've been, I don't know. It's, it's been like a go at your own risk kind of thing. So, yeah. you know, as long as you're wearing a mask, you're good. And, uh, at least that's the mindset here. So it's uh, it's yeah. very interesting. It's very, but it's also what I expected. You know, yeah. I've, oh, I've, sure. been, I've been playing too. So it's like, you know, the South does their does their things, and uh, the rest of the country does theirs. So. That's right. Yeah, it is. The South is a different baby. It's a different baby, man. It just they they yeah they live by their own set of rules and codes and everything yeah. else. And, I forgot you're from uh, Colorado. Yeah. Yeah, so they're they're interesting, you know, down there too. Uh, yeah. My mother-in-law has been trying to get, you know, the vaccine because you know she's in the high risk category. She's over sixty-five. She's you know so, so had some pre-existing things, but um, she can't get a shot. They have none. There's none there. Yeah. So, I mean, that. what part of Colorado? Denver. What's the? Uh, I've been to Rupp's Drums out there. Oh yeah. Uh, I don't know. I forget what part of town it's in, but uh, the I went out there a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and that place is sick, man. They got vintage drums, they got all the new stuff, they got everything. It was awesome. Yeah, Ruffs is a pretty crazy place. I've been going there since I was a kid. Yeah, so, yeah. It was. Uh, I forget what year. I think it was 2017. I went out there, but um, the because uh, Houston used to have a shop like that. Yeah, it used to be called Houston Percussion Center. Uh, I think they just do like distributing. Now. I don't think they have even like a. And we have Simple Fusion, but like they don't. We didn't have like a true drum shop besides that. Or we don't have one anymore. So it was mm-hmm. really nice to like be in like a legit drum shop again. Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah, I mean. Uh, yeah, Colorado's beautiful though. That was the first time I had been out there. You ever? Oh miss yeah. It? Okay. Yeah, we'd love to get back there, and you know, mm-hmm. it, it might happen. You know. Yeah. How's that? How's Georgia treating you, though? It's all right. I mean, mm-hmm. it, 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 it. I don't know. I mean, it's it, just like we were talking about. You know, the South has its own thing, and yeah, they uh, they're 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 slow to change. Yeah, I agree. Know? And that's not that's not with you know legislation or anything like that. It's with education. It's with you know everything. It's mm-hmm. you know and the microclimates there, there it's, or not there here mm-hmm. are, you know, it's, it's weird. It's, it's definitely, it's, it's been a different thing. I mean, I've been here 15 years and you, you'd think I'd understand it now. And I do, I understand it, but I keep trying to put a different spin on it. And it is what it is. If you're not part of the good old boy network, 
Yeah. You're not part of the good old boy network and you aren't going to get anything. Sure. Yeah. I mean, as far as, as far as music goes though, like what kind of, what kind of groups are you playing with? Like what kind of guys are you? Are you I got a couple with? different projects that I'm, you know, I'm dealing with. Uh, I do a lot of freelance stuff obviously, but uh, I'm, I'm kind of in a band now that they call themselves cosmic Southern. What did they call it? Cosmic Southern rock or Southern blues or Southern something. Anyway, uh, it's mostly original stuff. We do a couple covers, but we, you know, mess with the covers. Like we do War Pigs is like this. Um, kind of, it's it's kind of like a bluegrass thing. Sick. Which is really it's really cool. But uh, it's 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 cool. I wanted to get into some sort of project that was more of you know the cover bands and stuff. They're fun and they sort of pay the bills. But you know as well as I do. I mean, to play a four hour gig for a hundred bucks is pretty standard anywhere. Yeah. And it's terrible because, you know, four hours isn't four hours. Four hours is the playing. Then there's the two hours to get there and set up and the two hours to tear down and get home. So it's an eight hour day for, you know, a hundred bucks. Absolutely. And uh, so those bands were just not, you know, but this band is pretty cool because we play an hour, two hours um, for that same, you know, I mean, we make a little bit of change every now and again. We, we host a couple of, uh, uh, they call it the Roots of Rock. There's a couple showcase things that uh we have that we do twice a year um where people from i think it's a hundred mile radius from where from macon mm. um where it's all original music that they come oh, cool. in and we have like festivals and stuff and you know people kind of eat that stuff up yeah um it pushes you musically of, too like it, it gets yeah. like it gets kind of stale playing the cover gig thing i, I did that like a lot in louisiana especially when i was in louisiana i did that a lot but yeah you're just like, all right, well, I know what to expect, but you know, sometimes it's sometimes like it's refreshing because I was part of an original group too. And it was very refreshing to look forward to that, you know, where it's like, yeah. I get to play my parts, my, you know, exactly. I, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Make sure to take a new appreciation for guys like Neil Pert, you know, <laughs> yeah, who Jeez. played the exact same way yeah. every gig, you know, it's like, this is the way that Tom Sawyer goes don't try to put your own fills into it. This nope is the way it goes. It's written out. No, nope for note, people really don't under, like, I guess the average listener who, well, Rush has a huge fan base, but I wonder how many of them know that he played everything note for note the same. They probably do know because they listen a lot, but like for me, that's, that takes a lot of discipline, right? I mean, that's yeah. more well, than yeah. anything. Yeah. Cause yeah. Plus, I mean, I know they did like a 40th anniversary tour, like, and he was playing it the same. That's just, I wonder if it ever got stale to him. It's something I would have always liked to ask him if it ever got like boring. I'm, I'm sure it did, but I'm sure he just fed off of everybody's energy. Yeah. I mean, cause I remember when I saw him, I saw him in, uh, at Red Rocks when, I don't remember when that was, uh, cool venue, man. That's awesome. venue. Oh, it's a great venue. Yeah. But watching turn, I just, I was turning around. I had one of my students, his wife was pregnant and she wasn't feeling very well. And he was a rush freak and he was a computer programmer. So he was loaded and he got like third row center. Dude, what an experience. Like, man. It was Not awesome. Many people can, I mean, I, I don't know that I never got to see him live. They came through on their 40th anniversary tour. I mean, okay, and, but they were playing at this venue uh in the woodlands is north houston it's like a pavilion kind of mm -hmm. uh ven venue where a lot of big artists play but it's like 
if you don't have seats, you're sitting on like a lawn type thing, yeah. and it's it, you're really far back. It it kind of sucks, but yeah, uh, I'm really jealous that you got to have that experience though. Oh, it was awesome, especially at that venue. Oh yeah, well that was cool. I've been fortunate. I've got to play there a couple times. Have you really? Yeah, I played there once with the Colorado Symphony, wow. and I played there once with a, a jazz quintet that I played at. We opened for David Sanborn. Wow. That was cool. But I mean, Turner, like when, when they did Tom Sawyer, I was just listening to it and rocking out. And I remember looking back and seeing, you know, the big throng of people, drummers, non-drummers alike, everybody yeah, was air drumming it. It was the coolest thing. I wish I had videotaped it because it was really, really cool. Yeah. Oh yeah, everybody's going. <laughs> it was really cool. It's like 360 drone set. Like I used to love what because my dad had live DVDs of like every tour, like Clockworks tour, um, plus like every drum set DW built him was so sick. Right? They were like oh. all for the tour. He had like three of them, and they were all made of like exotic wood or whatever, like fallen yeah. pine tree in the Amazon. It's... Like, and you're and it was so sick. Like it was so cool to as a kid because like i he was my number one a lot of people say that but like watching those live dvds to me there was nobody else touching him you know because i wasn't aware of you know every everything else at that point i was like there's there was nobody even coming close to him yeah and seeing those like mallet cats he had and like not even fathoming how that was possible at that time and like oh yeah it was man what a i mean First of all, what a loss. I mean, he kind of yeah. kept that to himself, I guess, but uh but I now I'm getting like this this flood of memories back just like in the in the living room watching these live DVDs just being like this oh, is yeah. awesome. Like the drum solos, the like 12 15 minute drum solos that were yeah. all ostinato based like, you know. I love that I can understand it now and now yeah. I can appreciate it more, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's it's awesome. It was it, it was a horrible loss for the entire music community, not just drummers. I mean, it was that was that's what kind of just floored me was the outpouring of people that weren't drummers mm. that were yeah. like, oh "My God, we have lost a giant." A giant. You know? Everybody felt it. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Twenty sucked, dude. I mean, jeez. Oh. The yeah. uh, so uh, as far as your drumming journey uh did you start out as i can't remember what 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 you mentioned when we actually when we met a couple years ago but and you shared your story but uh starting out were you more geared towards the drum set was it marching was it orchestral was it all of it uh i i can't remember exactly what the pinpoint was uh, I mean, it was kind of all of it. I mean, I, I started out in fourth grade with band, you know, but I mean, my my initial draw to the whole thing was Buddy Rich. Mm -hmm. A drum set was a thing, you know, I mean, I was I was fortunate enough to be I'm the youngest of six boys. Wow. And uh, so my dad listened to big band music all the time. My mom listened to opera. At the time, my, some of my brothers were listening to like really old Black Sabbath. Another one of my brothers was big into like kind of acoustic folk rock, like, uh, you know, John Denver and stuff like that. Yeah, I was um, in my house growing up, for sure. Yeah, you know, so I mean, I had this just this palette of musical stuff. But I always, you know, I just always kind of just 
my dad would pull me in and go, Hey, listen to this. You know, it's a buddy rich thing. And I'd listen to buddy rich, but it wasn't this long before DVDs and, you know, any, any sort of video of anything. So it was, you know, listening to it on AM radio, you know, mm -hmm. and you listening to it and going, God, how does he do that? You know? Yeah. So, I mean, that was kind of my first big love was the drum set. So I actually got, uh, my godparents had, they 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 had two older boys who had played some drum set and uh, they were getting rid of their drums. And I said, I'll, I'll buy them. I'll buy them. So of course, you know, I, was, I had a paper route and bought their drum set. No, it's awesome. That's how the whole thing started. And then, you know, I started to really kind of appreciate this stuff because I got into band and, you know, you have to play triangle and you have to play bass drum and tambourine and all that stuff. So you kind of learn those. You don't really learn them until you get to college because it's like tambourine, bang, bang, bang. Yeah. There, you're done. Yeah. I mean, because I, for one thing, the drum set was my was my first love as well. But uh, it's very interesting how like that transition happened when because I, you know, growing, growing up in Texas, they take the arts pretty seriously. So there was like this, this weekly like masterclass on these various percussion instruments, which was oh, wow. where I had like, this week was triangle, the next week was tambourine, next week was uh, timpani, all that kind of stuff. And I'm like in seventh grade. So I just thought that's how things were, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's, I think it's still like that. I mean, I'm doing it with my kids. So it's, yeah. it's, uh, yeah, it was very strange. I, 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 and finding out that not everybody like kind of came up that way, that same way was, yeah. Uh, honestly, more now looking back, more disheartening uh, than anything because, I mean, you think about like the traditional kind of like sitting in the back of the class, being rowdy, you know, playing cards in the back while we're counting measures. So it's like, I mean, we had we had that too, but like I, I wish there was more of. Um, that happening in, in more states more paying you know more of that attention and funding going towards that and you're kind of mentioning how georgia doesn't really there's it's not just that state it's no it's a lot of i mean it's states in the west too the states in you know everywhere oh, colorado i never had that yeah never had any of that stuff never and going to louisiana mm -hmm. and seeing what the standards were there it was yeah i mean yeah ask lonnie i mean lonnie lonnie's dealt with it for 20 years almost now where yeah. he's just like i i what can you do? You know, yep. it's very unfortunate. Like, I, I wish it were, I wish it were the same everywhere. And obviously it's not the case, but I mean, yeah, I mean, it makes it, it makes it tougher for those kids who want to pursue it, you know? Oh, absolutely. I mean, Texas has always been kind of that, you know, the, that thing that everybody aspires to kind of want to be. And I'm not exactly sure why other states haven't been able to, I mean, I, I don't know why Georgia hasn't. It's not from lack of my effort. You know, I mean, I've talked to many educators around the state to try to get some sort of an implementation of something like that. You know, whether it's a, a community involvement of uh, once a month, you know, like a masterclass series, you know, because I mean, in Macon, I have, we have Macon and Warner Robins around here in Perry. There's, you know, a bunch of little small towns that are around. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I could probably pull in, I don't know, four or five guys that are fairly educated with this stuff. You know, I mean, I could do the whole thing myself, but nobody wants to listen to me say it over and over and over and over. It's nice to have somebody else do it, yep. you know, but it's, it's so weird. We had, um, was it Manazel Brass? I think it was one of the big ones. It wasn't the Canadian, Canadian Brass was supposed to be here this year, but they had to cancel because of, uh, covid mm -hmm. but i think it was manazel brass we had here and i mean 
if you've ever heard Manazel Brass, they're ridiculous. They're yeah. just so freaking talented, right? So we had them come out here and they were going to do a residency and they were out here for like five days and they wanted to do some outreach stuff where, you know, they went to the schools and they did this and that and the other thing. And we sent out, I can't even tell you how many hundreds of dollars of stuff we did. Phone calls, emails, trying Marketing, to get stuff yeah. Yeah. and not one of them. They even had a free concert at the university. It's just, there's just that whole, it's weird. It's almost like this. Yeah. Strange. You know, the university's sheltered and we, we're not good enough for you. And it's like, no, we want you to be part of our routine, but you're not accepting what we want, you know? Mm. Yeah. It's very, very, very strange standards set yeah. state by state. Like it, yeah. it just, it's kind of like, you know, it, it, it's all over the place. Yeah. But, and that was one sense. thing too about Nevada that kind of surprised me. I don't know how it was like when when you were there, but uh, I think it's for what I was told, it's better than it used to be. But uh, I mean, there was one, arguably one viable like kind of program in the area of Vegas that was, well, I would say two uh, as far as like high schools go. It just kind of surprised me because you go, you drive three hours west and you have SoCal where mm-hmm. like there's some of the best band programs in the entire country. So yep. it's just, it's just strange. I, I, it's something that I've been thinking about a lot lately, ma- mainly because I've been teaching more and, you know, I'm not in school anymore. So it's like, I don't know. It's, it's been more mindful of it lately, I think. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's, it's kind of depressing. Yeah. A little I, bit. Cause it's like, you know, you have all of this stuff, this library that's up here, these talents that are here and here and here and all over your body and you're ready to give them out. And People don't take them. Yeah, all the, all the you think about all the shit we've been through. <laughs> like, yeah. I I remember sitting on Dean's balcony, one one uh, at his dump, and mm-hmm. and thinking about. I I asked him, I was like, why do we put ourselves through all this? And he he was like, I think we're a, we're all a little bit of psychopaths, just a little bit, because we go through all this this preparation, this hard work, this practice, hours and hours. Who knows how many days it, oh. that that rounds out to, but I was like, I, I, I remember sitting on his balcony and be like, I just moved 1400 miles from my little bubble of America to then further my craft. And I yeah. have no problem with it. Like any, anybody, anybody else, I feel like it, well, it depends, but I mean, it, anybody else I feel like would be like, you're, you're insane. This is all for drums. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it is. And I, 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 it's very it's bizarre to think about sometimes but it is <laughs> i was like it is, right. but it's cool it is yeah it is it, it, i mean you know he was like we're we're kind of psychopaths i guess and i was like well i mean yeah especially you but you know it's all good yes yeah. <laughs> that's the logical answer is we're all a little psychopath which you know i mean it is i mean when you're gonna just up and move yourself like this just to you know get a little bit better at your craft yeah. you know just a little bit, just so I can learn from this guy, from that guy, from, yeah. you know, this experience, you know, it's, yeah. Oh, well, but I mean, spe- uh, how did you, uh, did, cause I, well, I know how you got to UNLV, but the, well, I've heard the story at least, but, uh, explain kind of like your, uh, your collegiate path. I, I think it's interesting because the, uh, and I'm kind of getting my timeline mixed up. So like, kind of explain your, your collegiate path my collegiate path is a weird one yeah my collegiate path is whack <laughs> but yeah i'll now you know I'll, I'll try to unlock it for you it's 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 kind of crazy but um 
Yeah, it, it's strange. So um, as I was getting ready to graduate from high school, I, uh, I was looking at schools and uh, I uh, went for Juilliard um, and got accepted into Juilliard. And I was pretty happy about that. I felt pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and I got accepted. I uh, applied for the University of Arizona. And I was uh, kept hearing back from the University of Arizona that it's still some pending, 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 pending. I'd taken my ACT and my SAT. Uh, There's a couple other schools. I applied to the University of Northern Colorado, which at that time had a killer jazz program. And uh, they had a quota that they, they, were, they had already met because they were only accepting like three drummers or something. Um, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was some, you know, some very small number of drummers. So I didn't get in there. Uh, I didn't really want to apply to CU because at that time there was just, I mean, there was kind of a music school that was building and it was, it was okay. Um, didn't know a whole heck of a lot about it. So I kind of pushed away from that, you know, and I asked, you know, my band directors and stuff, you know, what, what are some schools in the, you know, in the state? And, um, was going to go, uh, thought about going to Gunnison Western state college in, in Gunnison, Colorado. Um, but our jazz band, and it's so weird that you're bringing this up because last night I was, you know, talking on Facebook to some old friends and one of them said, Hey, do you remember that concert we played in Gunnison, your junior or senior year? And I said, yeah, it was the same weekend that Buddy Rich died. Mm. And he's like, yeah, my dad just gave me the videotape from it. And I'm, I'm downloading it to digital. I'm like, no way. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Gotta give me a copy of that thing. Right. So, and then I remembered back then thinking, well, you know, why would I go to Gunnison now? I mean, cause the guy, the guy that was in the group at the time, um, the drummer that was there, I mean, he was super cool. But then we listened to their jazz band and I thought, yeah, that's kind of neat. And I started to talk to his ja the, the jazz guy there because I was thinking that was the direction I was going to go was jazz um, or something where I could play a lot of drum set. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, to be honest, anytime I was given like a mallet part in a symphonic band or, or you know, uh, what they didn't call it wind ensemble back then, they just called it band, band. you know, yeah. band class, you know. So um, it was like, here's a mallet part. And, you know, I could read rhythms really well. But I wasn't really much of a mallet player at all. So, you know, I mean, I'd have to sit there and I'd figure it out and I have to write the notes into the score, you know, to figure it out because I couldn't really read, you know, notes and stuff. So um, fortunately, you know, I mean, the school that I came from was rough. You know, it was it was a, it was pretty poor. And, uh, you know, I mean, I'm not going to say I was poor by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, it was uh, economically depressed area of town. And so, I mean, I didn't have to do it. So somebody had already written in all the notes on the names of the xylophone. We didn't have a marimba. The xylophone mm -hmm. had about, you know, four or five bars that were broken or cracked or whatever. The bells all had them written in, you know, yeah. with pencil or marker. So, you know, I kind of learned it that way and I'd wrote in all the notes. But so, I mean, it wasn't, uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. We're not talking about that. We're talking about uh, getting to college. So, um, University of Arizona had said, okay, uh, we'll take you. Everything's good, but um, we don't have a place for you to live. We're working on that. I said, okay, that's fine. You know, well, we should know something in the next couple of weeks. So I'm excited. I'm pumped. I'm going to the University of Arizona. They got this, they got this percussion program that I'm really excited about. They got Gary Cook. Yeah, at you that know, point, it was pretty established, right? It was like, hugely yeah. established. It was like one of the biggest percussion programs well, in the country. What I mean by that is like one of the best in the country. Like, yeah, it, yeah, it's it was up there. 
Yeah, it was is. huge. Yeah. Yeah, it's still monster. Yeah, of course. So I was ready to go. And the day that we were going to, you know, get in the car and boop, pack up all my stuff, was our, my stuff was in the car, ready to go. And I get a piece of mail. And they said, sorry, we ran out of rooms. Here's a list of motels around the university and their prices. Dude. I Motel. Motels? I'm not going to go to college living in a motel. So it was, uh, it was one of those, you know, kind of, uh, you know, I mean, your jaw hits the floor and you think, what? And of course... Yeah. My parents read that and they're like, we can't afford for you to live in a hotel. There's just no way. Cause that's, no, no, that's not going to happen. So anyway, it was this heartbreaking, you know, moment of where you're, you're at the highest, you know, 18 years old and you're getting ready to go to college and you're this and you're that and you're everything. And in a moment, the whole thing, see it, it's slipping away and you go, Oh my God, what to do. So I thought about it and I was like, okay, um, that's it. I'm going to enlist in the Marine Corps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thought, so, so, so one end of the spectrum to the other there. Yeah. So yeah. Like, yeah. It was, nice. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just some random thing out of the, and it, yeah. it actually wasn't random. A couple of friends of mine, um, they, they, they were actually going to go into the Marines and they were this, that, and the other thing. And we, you know, through them, I'd kind of learned a little bit about it. And I thought, you know, be kind of cool, do some trade stuff and whatever, maybe be in the special forces and do some stuff. My oldest brother was a Marine for some years. Mm. Um, so he knew some stuff about it and I'd kind of talked to him about it. So I thought, well, okay. Um, because my two loves have always been like medicine and music, oh. right? So I'd, I'd, I'd done something in the Marines in terms of, you know, maybe becoming a field surgeon or, you know, being, becoming a surgeon or a physician's assistant or, right. you know, MD, whatever. So, or get this, you know, through the schooling, because, you know, you go through the GI Bill and whatever, and you could yeah, go to school. Exactly. So, <clears throat> yeah. So I said, well, that's it. I'm going to the Marines. And uh, <clears throat> about a day or two later, uh, one of my best friends uh, comes by the house and he says, hey, man, we're, uh, we're leaving in a couple of days. Just want to say, you know, whatever. And I said, well, when are you heading out to Adam State? Because he was going to Adam State on a football scholarship. Oh, okay. And he said, no, I'm not. I'm going to uh, I'm going to University of Nebraska in Omaha. I said, what 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 do you mean? He said, yeah, um, we have to move. What? What do you mean you have to move? Yeah, the whole family had to pick up and move. I said, so why Omaha? Well, he's got a whole bunch of family. His his grandmother was out there, bunch of nephews, bunch of uncles, bunch of aunts. You know the whole nine yards. Um, basically, his dad had lost his job with Frontier Airlines. And so that went belly up. And so they couldn't afford their house anymore. They had to sell their house and they're out there. And so I said, well, you know what? I said, let me take some time and, you know, let me help you move. You know, I mean, your family and my family are tight. We're cool. This, that, and the other thing. And so I'm helping him move. And in the process of that, he's telling me about this school that he's going to be going to, which is UNO, the University of Nebraska, Omaha. And so I said, uh, cool, you know, whatever. He goes, well, maybe you should check into the music scene down there. I'm like, music scene in Omaha, Nebraska? Nebraska. In the cornfields, yeah, yeah. brother. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think, you know, they're going <laughs> to you know, have too much for music. Yeah. He goes, well, you never know. Let's, uh, you know, let me call my aunt. So um, his aunt at the time had worked, might have been maybe in the registrar's or the bursar's office or something at UNO. And uh, she's, you know, let me, let me find out. So he calls her and, you know, 
says, hey, this guy wants to learn about the music thing, this, that, and the other thing. About two days later, I got it overnighted. You know, it was this stack of stuff about the music department at UNO. And I thought, hmm, well, let me read through it. So I started reading through it, and I thought, ah, I don't know. I, we'll, we'll see. I don't know. I have no idea. So I called them, and they said, you know, send in your stuff. And I thought, well, I mean, what's, what's the worst that can happen? I'm going to go to the Marine Corps, or I'm going to stay in Colorado and do what? I don't know send in all my stuff. And they're like, yeah, you know, you're accepted, but you got a, you know, pending uh, an audition. So I said, okay, yeah, that's fine. So, <laughs> and the auditions take place in like four days, you know, it's mm. like, I don't have any idea what I'm going to prepare. You know, what do I, Jeez. what do I need to prepare? Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, you know, just, uh, if you have some marimba stuff, uh, uh, ma what? what's this thing you say? Moa? A marimba. A marimba. What's, what's a marimba? Oh, this guy's going to be good. Right. Yeah. So anyway, I get their audition and then long story short, I end up at UNO and I did my, you know, I did my undergrad there and it was great. I, I you know, I mean, it was, it was a good school because it, it wasn't one of the biggies where I had to compete with tons and tons of people. The mm -hmm. studio was about 14 guys, 13 guys, depending on the year. Um, and it was good. I mean, it was, it was a good blend of people. Um, and I got to play in the jazz band from my sophomore year because the, my, my, my freshman year, there was like three seniors who were all just like these, you know, monsters. Killers. Yeah. Yeah. So they all, you know, they played in all the jazz combos and the jazz bands and stuff. And I just kind of watched. Do they, um, I, I always get the, cause there's a Nebraska, Omaha and Nebraska Lincoln, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. And there was in Omaha. So they're two completely separate entities. Like they're yep. not. Okay. Gotcha. Right. They're part of the University of Nebraska system, system but they right. have their own schools. They have their own, you know, curriculum, whatever. Yeah. Because I know Dave Hall's in Lincoln. Uh, right. Yeah. And they have a great program. I saw them play at PASIC this past year. Yeah. Yeah. They've, they've yeah. done a lot of good things. Yeah. Um, I can't remember the name of the guy that was there when I was out there, but he'd almost run the program into the ground. Yeah. Really? Pretty bad. Yeah. It was pretty bad. Um, and the guy that was in Omaha when I was there, a uh, guy by the name of Steve Rabine, um, vibraphone player. And now it, then it went to Tom Rowland and now it's, who is it now? Can't remember. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Hmm. Um, I can look it up. yeah. Um, I met the guy, didn't I? I was out there anyway. So, uh, did the undergrad thing there and, uh, at the end of my undergrad, I was looking at master's schools and was trying to find some things. And I applied to UNLV um, because, well, I was, I was, I wanted to do in the, uh, my senior year, my last year of my undergrad, uh, the school had been taken over by this dean who wanted to um, basically financially destroy the music area and get rid of it. He didn't want a music area. He wanted all of it to be in theater art and, you know, visual performing arts, not music, get it out. So he tried to run the program into the ground. <clears throat> and um, the director of bands at the time um, asked me if I would stay on because it's a huge long story that, you know, this, this, you don't need to know any of that stuff, but um <laughs> He asked me if I would stay on as, as a building manager, they would pay me an hour. They'd pay me basically a salary. It wasn't hourly. It was a salary, um, which would help. And I could take some classes and start my master's degree, but it was basically 
my job to figure out how to short circuit this guy at every possible right. thing. So I said, yeah, I'd be happy to, you know, that'd be, that'd be a lot of fun. So I did, you know, and so I stayed on for a year. Um, and at the end of that year is when that was when Darren Wadley's um, TA ran out. And so UNLV became available and I would have been looking at UNLV because it was this up and coming school. You know I mean? Since Dean had gotten there, it was, uh, it was this up and coming school. He was this new guy. He was young. He was full of energy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he uh, hasn't stopped that. Um, but he was really, really strong in the mallet area. And I knew that was one of my deficiencies. I mean, at what point do you think, cause I asked him about, I had him on, uh, would you say that he was like, uh, he had to be one of the best mallet players in the country, right? I mean, yes. I mean, yeah. Uh, like I wish I could see him back then, you know, like when all you guys were there and everything like, cause he played a little bit, but he, he would often like get hurt and stuff like, like he would yeah. be sore and stuff from all right. the play, years of playing. But I really wish I would have, uh, I, I was able to see him in, in the heyday, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, it was fun. I mean, it was to be his TA was, was really cool because he, um, he put, he put a desk. I mean, the office that Tim has now, that was where his office used to be. Yeah. And so I'd have a, I had my little desk and that was like the only space I had. So it was like everything you got books, everything has to go there, mallet bags, whatever you keep it on your desk. So it was always like, uh, I'm going to do my homework over in the library or whatever. Yeah. Cause I have no room on my desk for anything else. Snare drums that needed to be fixed or this had to be reheaded or the symbol. You got to send this back to Zildjian at the time. It wasn't mm-hmm. saving then, but um, it was pretty cool. Cause I could do, I would get there in the morning and I'd, I'd do whatever I had to do if I was playing dance classes or whatever, but then I'd come up and I'd do some work and then Dean would come in and he'd practice. And <clears throat> probably one of the best things for me was watching him practice. Oh yeah. You know, and listening to the process that he goes through, um, when he's, you know, playing a piece and of course, you know, he's playing most of his own stuff because he was at the time he was starting to get ready to play for that Pasek in 96 that he played. Yeah. And uh, so watching that and watching that whole process of how you really do, you know, you break it all the way down to small pieces and you do this. And then he'd ask me, he's like, listen to this. What do you think? And it's like, oh, you're asking me what? Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, just yeah. a student, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's so, uh, it was cool to be a fly on that wall back in, you know, back then, because I, I watched him practice a little bit um, when he was getting ready to play creation when I was there. It was, yeah shortly after you guys came through and uh he wasn't playing the whole thing he we were splitting up parts with him and um it was uh i don't know it was, it was one of those things of like watching uh watching a master at work kind of thing uh, and it was it was very inspiring too um he is, he inspires me in, in multiple ways but like one of them being um you know staying true to his style staying true to uh you know he what he does and what he does well and and it it was it was more inspiring to watch than anything i think yeah so, and i got him you know later on you know i, I can only imagine what it was like in in the in prime time dean right know? yeah it was pretty intense yeah i'm sure yeah, as you can probably imagine but that i mean that those are the days i mean you've probably met orlando santos yeah 
And let's see who else was it. Rachel was still there. Rachel yeah. was doing her undergrad at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, Aaron Hodge, you probably don't remember him. Or Aaron Fisher, not Aaron Hodge. They, everybody called him Hodge. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, Terry was still there. She was doing her master's degree. Rochelle, did you ever meet Rochelle Winslow? Never did, no. Okay. Maybe she had passed away before then. I think so. Well, we had the memorial scholarship uh oh, okay. thing when I got well when I got there was uh Okay. I don't I don't remember what year she passed. It was I can't remember. Yeah. But the it was uh we had had an we have an award or they have an award, I'm not there anymore. They where it's the student of the semester earns a, a little bit of the scholarship so oh cool yeah, yeah so it's kind of like one of those things yeah so but uh you mentioned um and you know i i think where it gets really interesting is and i why i said i i get confused in my timeline is you shared a story um that is pretty significant to your specific uh journey so the the injury right so yeah so when does that take place well the injury the injury the injury (laughs) for dramatic effect yeah can you put make sure that when you say that you put a little extra reverb on it so or a little echo injury injury yeah yeah yeah. yes when when lou gehrig announces as he's retiring he's like that's right myself so the luckiest man The face of the earth, yeah. The stadium goes wild, yeah. It just it it makes it a little more, you know, dramatic. Yeah. Uh, The the injury happened um, on the Ides of March. Uh, Yeah, believe it or not, March seventeenth. It happened. Really? Yeah. The Ides of beware the Ides of March. So maybe it is Uh, as dramatic as you as we're presenting it. So it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Um. So that happened in two thousand. Okay. Um. Yeah. So. After I finished, I did, uh, after I left UNLV, I left uh, 1996 is when I left uh, UNLV. And I went uh, straight to UK and did That's three- right. That's what it was. That's what I was yeah. missing out. Okay, got yeah. it. Yeah. I went to University of Kentucky with Jim. With the, the godfather, Jim Campbell. Yeah. <laughs> Man, it's, y'all got like a mafia, dude. I told Brian Nosney that because he's a UK guy. And I was like, it's like a mafia. It's crazy. It's kind of a mafia. If, if, if don't cross the family, yeah, you know? yeah. You come you to know? me on the day of my percussion. Yeah, it's like it's kind of like uh, y'all got the UK pins, you know, on your name tags. It's that is the weirdest thing when yeah. you first show up to pass. Like, hey man, how's it going? Hey man, did you get your sticker? <laughs> no, I didn't get my sticker. What are you talking about? Here, take a sticker. Put it on your tag. I'm okay. doing it for UNLV. I'm getting a made. I don't. Whenever in the next, you should. Person, I think that yeah. would be hysterically funny. Boom. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Put on your little then, yeah, I took, I'll take full credit. I was the one to start on this. I started it. Mm-hmm. That's the way Jim rolls. But, um, so yeah, so I finished there in 99 um, and uh, was doing some work uh, in Colorado. Did Mike Gould hook you up with UK? Is that what it was? Was like he. No, Jim actually came out to UNLV for something. And okay. um, we were talking backstage. He was doing some sort of a concert thing. And we were talking backstage at the concert and uh, he said, yeah, man, I'd love to have you come out and whatever. And so that's kind of the way the conversation started. There it is. Got so, yeah. So I know Gould, I'd, I'd known Gould only through Dean at that point. And then mm-hmm. of course, Gould also went to UK. So 
uh, Dean was comparing those two, you know, oh, look, came to me, then he went to Campbell. Yeah, we got a pipeline, you know. It's like, several times, I think. Is, yeah. He was very well, I'm sure it did. Yeah. yeah. Which, I mean, that's great. I mean, you keep two two programs that, you know, are that, you know, um, strong. And, you know, I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, you, you keep that alive. You keep yeah. those things going. Um, so then after that, that was over. I was, you know, I was, I was working freelancing around Denver and doing some stuff there. And then through somebody, I don't remember who it was that recommended me for this. I got a call from this uh, talent agency out of Florida, a guy by the name of Tom Haberman, um, asked me if I would drum on the, uh, the millennium cruise. So I said, yeah, sure. Sure. Let's do it. I was, I was supposed to be on the QE2 drumming for their world cruise. And I said, sure, you know, for the millennium and they're going to do all this big bash for the party in the millennium and blah, 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 blah. And you're going to pay this and they're going to do this and they're going to do this. I said, yeah, sure. Um, so, uh, it was going to be like four months, I think. Yeah. Four months. It was like from, uh, might be September through Jan, the middle of January or something. And then I go back home and resume my life and, you know, Hey, that, that world's behind me. If the world did not end because of Y2K. Right. Oh man. Oh, my uncle, my uncle was actually, he was, he was big into computers mm. and he may, I think he, he said something to the effect of like a three quarters of a million dollars in the year 1999, just setting people up for y2k he said i knew it was complete bullshit (laughs) but they wanted they wanted my services to make sure that their servers were backed up for this for this for this and to put the firewalls and this and it and so he said i did it i mean i put whatever it was they wanted but then i charged for it just cash raining yeah he said it was unbelievable the amount of of money I was making. It was, it, I almost felt like I was making it. I was a crime. He said, but I can, I can show you paperwork for every bit of it. I have receipts for every penny of it. Hey, you've probably noticed there's a new logo, a new Rudimento podcast logo. Yes, there is new aspects of the podcast and things getting better would not be possible without your support of listening and through a support link in the description below for just 99 cents a month. Yes, for just a dollar a month, you can support the podcast directly. It goes to things like a new logo, like video graphics, like audio equipment, video equipment. You get the gist of it. If you're interested, click that link in the description below. It's just a dollar a month, like I said before. Also, if you could subscribe, rate, and review on any platform you're listening on, whether it be Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever, it is greatly appreciated. Back to the episode. That's nice work if you can get it, man. Yeah. So um, about two or three weeks before I was supposed to leave for the QE2, Haberman called me back and he said, hey, um, you can still do the QE2 thing if you want to, or I have a little bit longer gig for you. It's going to be moving. uh, You're going to be seeing more of the world. Um, Pays a little better. It's a smaller ship. Um, so you're probably going to get to see cooler places. You got two days. Let me know. So I thought about it and I thought, I mean, what's an extra couple months? Let's do it. So I ended up being on the Seaborn Legend cruise ship and uh, toured around there. And I had like two weeks left on my contract when the injury, injury, injury the incident. Yes. Yeah, the incident. Right. <laughs> so that was kind of an interesting thing. Um so it was fun, you know, I mean, playing in a, in a little jazz quartet, but it was a lot of playing. We had to do, we had to play breakfast, lunch, and dinner 
and cocktail hour and a show every day. Yeah, it seems like it's hit or miss with cruise ship gigs. Yeah. Because uh, there's a guy who does like, or he used to play on cruise ships. He did like vlog kind of style videos. Of, he's like day in the life of a cruise ship musician. It was like, uh-huh. I don't know if I like that. Like, you know, after watching it, it's like, I get to see cool places, but it's like, I don't know if I'd like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, 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 to say that you've done it once is pretty cool. I know a couple of guys. I went to uh, school with a guy who was doing his undergrad at UK. And he graduated. I think he graduated and pretty much started working on cruise ships. He still works on them. Wow. He did like six or seven months and he takes a month or two off. Then he comes back for six or seven months and takes a month or two. He's, you know, seen the world doing that, but he's, he's, He's seen the ports of the world, right, you know? Exactly, yep. So, but he loves it. And I guess since he's got so much tenure, I mean, he's probably just making... Oh, it, yeah. You know, it's ridiculous. You, you know, even if you, you think of back then, I think I was making like seven fifty, eight hundred bucks a week hmm. tax-free. Yeah. Because since you're in international waters, you don't get taxed. Oh, yeah. You know, so and all your food's already paid for. You don't have to pay rent. You don't have to pay for car because you don't have anything. So basically, you're living for free and you're getting paid you know, 3,500 bucks a month. Yeah. You're just pocketing all that, you know? Yeah. It's just, you know, nice work. Good good and bad. Yeah, yeah. He's probably making 1500 a week, you know, not bad. So, yeah. I mean, if you, if you don't mind, you know, not having a home really other than on a ship, which, you know, Hey, whatever. The home is the drum set, Marcus, of course. That's right. That's right. I, this is what am I thinking. Exactly. Why would we need anything but that? That's right. Yeah. That's right. I'm sorry. I, I've, I have led you astray. You are absolutely right. right. Sorry. Well, that's Back this week's off. episode. So I appreciate yeah. it. No. <laughs> uh, yeah. So then of course I had like two weeks left on my contract. I was going to get out and uh, I was uh, going to go out and do some, some pretty big things. Actually, I was starting to be in talks with some people about playing some concerts in Europe and some stuff throughout North America and doing some solo marimba stuff and doing some drum set stuff. And it was really cool. And solo I was really, marimba, huh? Yeah, it was pretty cool. Wow. Um, and um, I'd made, you know, a lot of contacts, obviously working on the ship and with entertainers and with some agents and with some, you know, some people and, you know, just some people that I had met previous, uh, you know, UK or whatever. And so I was, I was pretty excited about the whole prospect. And then, you know, right before I was getting ready to leave, um yeah that's when the rope got tied around my fingers and i got my fingers ripped off uh, yeah the incident is what we're referring to the incident right yeah. the incident. i don't know how much Sorry. detail you want me to go into on that but uh well i mean it was uh you were it was on a boat right yeah basically the way this the the, the day uh worked march 15th i said march 17th that was such a lie march 15th isn't that saint patty's day yeah, St. Patty's Day is March 17th. March 15th is the Ides of March. Ides, March. The Ides of March. Yeah, what am I thinking? That's also one of my buddy's birthdays. More of a St. Patty's Day, Mike. That's what so. it was. I was thinking of green beer or something. I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, the, the cool part about this particular cruise ship that I was working on was the back half of it folded down. Uh, and within that folding down it, part, they had speedboats, uh, they had stuff so that people could go parasailing. They could do water skiing. There's banana boats. And the cool part was the, there was a part that actually folded down with the boat that where there was a pool that uh, it basically was um, really thick chains that, you know, it would, the, the pool would be the ocean water, but you'd be safe from, you know, any 
big, you know, sharks or whatever, right. but they could fold it down. You could swim along in the pool. It was really great. It was cool. So um, because they were having a day at sea, because there was some, um, some hurricanes that were starting to come up and down the, the um, South America coast and, you know, even up, even up into Florida, um, they decided that they were going to park at sea for a day or so just to kind of, you know, let some of that weather go through because it was a smaller boat and hurricanes love big boats. So the small boats would be nothing but, you know, a little, little scrap. Right. Yeah. So, you know, they, um, part of your duties on a cruise ship, and this is that they never tell you, but part of your duties when you're not playing is like on things like this, when they just have a, a day at sea is you're supposed to help to make sure that all of the patrons on the boat are as comfortable as possible. Ah, yes. Yep. So as one of the musicians, you get called in to, you know, be part of the, you know, you might have to hand out towels or you might have to, um, well, what I had to do is I had to go sit on the back of these jet boats and make sure that people, you know, didn't fall off. And when they did, you tap the driver and say, there's a man down on the left, whatever. Mm -hmm. Oh, sorry, starboard. Starboard, yes. Or wait, that'd be port. Anyway, I don't remember port and starboard. Starboard, I think is right. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, so, um, so on this particular day, I had just gotten to my shift and you do like two hour shift and then, you know, you're, you're done for a few hours and you come back for a two hour shift. Um, and then you go, you, you have to go because you're all sweaty and you go take a shower and you go dress up because you got to go play for dinner and then you got to go play for cocktail hour and then the next day, same thing. So I just, you know, got onto my shift and they were changing from water skiers to a banana boat. And you're familiar with what a banana boat is, I'm sure. Yeah, Maybe. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they load up the banana boat with people and there's like five or six people in there, maybe seven people and it's loaded. And the bosun takes the leftover rope and he throws it to me. And so, yeah, okay, cool. So I'm starting to lower the rope out into the water. And for some reason, the, uh, the guy that's driving the boat hits the throttle, boom, full throttle. So of course the boat, you know, starts to move. And uh, in a millisecond, I thought, wait a minute, I haven't tied off this rope yet. And there's dead weight in the water back there, seven people, if they, you know, I didn't think of all this until afterwards, obviously, but right. even if they each weighed 100 pounds, that's 700 pounds plus the weight of the boat, so plus the drag of the water. So we're talking about a half a ton minimum of force against anything that's going to happen with me. I don't stand a chance. So I went to throw the rope. And when I did, I just felt this humongous tug bang, and it mm -hmm. felt like it pulled my arm out of the socket. And of course it didn't pull. Well, it might've pulled the arm out of the socket. And uh, I just heard pop, pop. And uh, I didn't, I didn't want to look down because I, I wasn't in pain, but it was like those things, you know, when you're in the movies, um, when, when something like really, really traumatic happens and like life goes into slow motion and all you hear is that really high pitched yeah. sound. Yeah. And so I was looking around and my eyes were moving. I mean, I'm sure I was frantic, but everything slowed down to like a snail space. It was crazy. Mm. And I didn't want to look down to my hand because I thought this, this could, this, this can't be good. And uh, I look back toward the dock where there were still people, you know, waiting to be the next ones that were on this banana boat. And you saw people in horror putting their hands over their mouth. People were throwing up. People were kind of averting their eyes. And I thought, man, whoever it is, you know, this has got to be pretty bad for something like that. And then I thought, wait a minute, that's me. <laughs> and so I pulled my shirt, which happened to be white. <laughs> ah. 
I pulled it up over my hand because I didn't want to look. I didn't want to see my hand. I just didn't want to do it. And so I just kind of, I kind of looked down like past my chin a little bit. And I saw that the entire front of my shirt was just completely blood red. And I thought, oh my God, this is bad. Oh my God. Oh my God. I've got to look. So I kind of, I had to like force myself to pull my hand out. So I did. Uh, and it, again, it was just like painfully slow. It's like, just get it over with what happened. And so I pulled my hand up and I looked at it just like this. And when I did, these two fingers weren't there. This fingertip right here was over here. It was dangling over here. So it had ripped and torn the whole thing back backwards and it was dangling. This finger mm -hmm. was dangling over here. And this finger, this middle finger was dangling over here. Yeah. So it was just, and I thought, oh no, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. So of course the first thing you're thinking of is I'm never going to play music again. This is, yeah. this is bad. This is, I, I'm in the middle of the ocean. What's going to happen? You know, I don't, so you start to panic and you start this, that, and the other. And um, around this time is when, you know, all that yeah, come and then the reality you. comes in and you hear people screaming and you hear, get him out of here, get him out of here, get him out of here. I'm like, what the heck? Oh, oh man. So I thought, well, I mean, I'm going back towards people because they had to pull the boat back around and people are like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, are you okay? Are you okay? Get him a stretcher, get him a stretcher. I'm like, no, I'm fine. I can walk. I put my hand back under my shirt and I thought, oh my God, what's going to happen? So of course I'm like going through options in my brain. Like, what can I do now? I have no idea. Music is what I know. I'm done. I can't so do it. You're immediately thinking about that. Oh, immediately. Immediately. Yeah. 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 And I, you know, then I'm thinking, oh my God, how am I going to explain this to my mom and dad? Mm. You know what I mean? Cause it, it, there's just no way that I can't, the, the, you know, <laughs> millions and millions yeah. of thoughts. So anyway, they, it's, it's one of the only times that I've seen a crowd of people park for me, you know what I mean? I was like, Whoa, give him room, give him room, give him room. So they walk me in, the nurse walks me into, um, she's like, are you sure? Do we need a wheelchair? Do we need a wheelchair? I said, no, I'm fine. I'm still in absolute shock. There's no pain. There's zero pain. I just feel, cause I have flip-flops on. I just feel dripping on my feet and it's mm. my blood. Jeez. And, uh, I said, we got to stop this bleeding. You know, I mean, the, the medical part, this is going way back to, you know, when I was in high school, I was going to do medicine or music. I've always been, um, and I haven't done it as much lately, but I, I, I think there's a new thing on the horizon that my wife and I have been talking about. But um, wow. yeah, um, I've always kind of been keeping up with medicine, you know, different stuff that's going on, different surgeries that are possible, different cures for this, how they're dealing with this, how they're doing with this, how they're doing with this. So I'm, you know, I'm kind of keeping my brain active with that too. Um, that's me, but with like with whiskey. Hey, there so, you go. So it's like the same thing, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, Hey, whiskey, there's, there's nothing wrong with a good whiskey. Hey, As a matter you of fact, did spend some time in Kentucky. I did. Are you, are you familiar with, with old Smokey? Uh, I am. I am actually. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the, once Tennessee. I see the label, you know, salty caramel or the peanut butter. I, okay. So have you had screwball? The yes. Okay. Yeah. That, that one, that's the only peanut butter whiskey I've had so far. Yeah. I would have thought the peanut butter whiskey was a joke. It's not until. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you try it with a little grape juice, and it tastes just like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. It's ah, I didn't yeah. even think about that. I'm going to have to try that. Yeah, yeah, dangerous. That's, that's dangerous. 
Yeah, it's very dangerous. Tasty, <laughs> all get out, but dangerous. Yeah, I I recently had uh, the more the the you know the like those higher tiers that that they make like uh, I forget. There's a there's a Knob Creek, but it's it's a twelve year as opposed to oh yeah. So like oh. the more the 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 higher tier of the Woodford is. Yeah out of my price range but i was i was uh thankfully given a glass of it recently recently and i was like this is incredible wow really i want to blame lonnie benoit for getting me into this because he's a big bourbon connoisseur and yeah. uh, my friend cameron leach who is who actually has a drums and drums and drams youtube channel where he's like talking about drums and drinking whiskey at the same time, like doing live stream tastings and stuff like that. So I'm further and further into it now, but it's, uh, I'll have to send you a link to that, but it's, uh, it's yeah, I'm in, I'm into it. The, that higher tier Woodford is, it was, it was excellent. I'm going to have to seek that out. Yeah. We don't get lots and lots of stuff out here in Macon, Georgia, but. Well, you got a total wine. Nope. Nope. Well, never mind then. You might, yeah, you might have to we fly to Atlanta have, or something. I mean, they they have they have this thing that they call the it's uh, AAA liquor superstore, which superstore is mm, fudged, fudged a little bit, a, a, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. I mean, it, but it's it's like the biggest you know one that we have. So that's where I found this old Tennessee stuff, and you know. So, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, we need to be a bigger. If I if I went to Atlanta, I could probably find it. Yeah, so I, mean, I go to Atlanta fairly often, so I, I think it's it. Woodford Reserve Double Oaked is the one I had. Okay, okay. Well, I'm gonna have to check that out. I'm gonna have yeah, to find that. That's the good stuff right there. Yeah, yeah, because you know, I mean, there's nothing wrong with just straight up Woodford. Right. No, it's it's incredible as well. Yeah, but yeah, you want Woodford on steroids. I wouldn't mind Woodford on steroids, actually. That'd be I good. A lot of people would. I mean, tasty. Yeah. Uh, I had a I had a higher tier of Four Roses as well. I don't know that one. Uh, Four Roses is in Lexington. You'd think I would know that one, but I guess I don't. I think Must it's um, Four Roses Distillery, Lawrenceburg. Sorry. Oh, okay. Uh, is that's it's a good budget whiskey like for a budget bourbon like you know like kind of you can get it pretty often but they have this like higher tier one that's like it's excellent wow uh, yeah i'll i'll uh yeah i, I we'll talk more about that later but yeah <laughs> the, share yeah. share don't don't be afraid to share these things these uh, i won't no no absolutely yeah. not um, um so so it happens but like you know it, at what point i mean you're on the you're on the boat, your fingers are dangling off. Like what, what, what's the next step after that? You got to get off the boat, obviously. Right. Yeah. Well, the next, the next step was to try to stop the bleeding. Obviously mm. because I was, I was, I was losing a lot of blood and uh, this, the doctor that was on the ship, I always say he looked like he could have fell off a charm bracelet. I mean, he was, he was probably like 95 years old and was the absolute poster child for the American cancer society. I'm walking into the infirmary, which is probably, I don't even know the size of the room you're sitting in right now, but I'd say it was half that size. 
This yeah. was the infirmary for a ship. Okay, so that's that's scary in and of yeah. itself. We're walking into the infirmary with this nurse who is the sweetest thing in the world. She was from Sweden. And she told the doctor, we have an emergency. We have to go. And he was sitting on the floor smoking a cigarette. Oh, good. Yeah. And he said, I'll be there in a minute. I just lit this up. Meanwhile, I'm bleeding to death, right? right. And he's, you know, puffing on his Marlboro, which yeah. is oh my sucking God. one down. Yeah. Inside the ship. Yeah. yeah. Hmm, lots of, of different problems there. So sure enough, he made, you know, and she's, she's apologizing profusely. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I was like, mm. hey, hey, you know, you got to do what you got to do. The shock hasn't hit, you know, hasn't worn off yet. So I'm still pretty good. Mm. Um, so he comes in and he, you know, he's like, what in the hell happened here? And uh, so basically, fortunately, I did read up a lot of stuff on some of these things because he had no clue what to do. So, uh, I said, okay, the first thing we have to do is we got to get this bleeding stop. So I had my hand, I already had my hand above my heart to slow my, you know, slow all the blood flow and everything. And so the fingers, I can't look because it's just, ah, no, 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 no. He says, well, we, we've got to try to figure out how we're going to put these, you know, back in somehow. I said, well, I said, that's probably not going to happen because it's, it, it looks like the bones are destroyed. Everything, you know, in there is destroyed. So he goes, but we have to do something. So, uh, he takes the fingers and he starts to move them. And he's, and he's like, well, this doesn't work. I said, okay, I'm going to walk you through this. I'm going to have to help you, obviously, because you don't have no idea what you're doing. So we had to, you know, figure out a way that we were going to manipulate the bone fragments and the bleeding vessels back onto, um, uh, back onto what was left of kind of the hand-ish thing. Mm -hmm. So we did. So we kind of figured that out, stopped, the, we did the, did the couple little stitches to, you know, kind of decrease the blood supply, whatever, to the hand. And then once he got the fingers kind of back where they needed to be, there, there was very little bone there. So there was very little form there. So we put this, uh, you've probably seen them, the, uh, they're moldable finger splints. Yeah. Yeah. Had a big long one that went from like here on my wrist and went up and went down all the way over there. And then he taped the whole thing together. And if I had a thought for two seconds, I wouldn't have let him tape my fingers together. But he taped my fingers together, these two. So he taped them together and taped this thing down. And then he put, you know, padding, cotton padding, and just this, 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 this. And, he, you know, pretty soon I had this this giant mitt that was just humongous yeah. all the way down to my elbow. It's kind of like when NFL linemen, like, break their hand and they just put them in a hard exactly. cast. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly what it looked like. So about 45 seconds after he had it all done there, you just, you could start to see blood going through it. I'm sure. Yeah. So he's, uh, he goes and he talks to this nurse and the nurse comes in and she says, um, are you, are you allergic to anything? I said, the only thing I'm allergic to is aspirin. So she says, okay, I'm going to give you this, this medication that's going to slow your heart rate down. What now? Yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, trying to put me down. Like, yeah. So she says because you're you're losing blood way too fast, and we are too far away from the mainland. So getting you out of here is our number one priority. But you got to be alive in order for them to get you out. So I said okay. So they gave me this medication that slowed my heartbeat down to I don't know, maybe 15, 20 beats per minute, if that. I don't even know. Jeez. It was pretty crazy. I said so. I guess I'm not going to play dinner or the show tonight right 
She she looked at me. She was, "You're nuts. You're you're absolutely crazy." Back to being psychopaths, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, then then he brings in this this painkiller that um, he goes, "This this will this will help you out." And he took this painkiller in this needle. I, I mean, at the time, it looked like it was four feet long. But and he shot me in the base of this finger, and I could have probably grabbed a piece of steel and made it drip water. It hurt that bad. That was just the worst pain in the world put one there put one in the palm of my hand put one in between these two fingers oh sorry these two fingers these two fingers and these two fingers and i mean he loaded up a full syringe of this yeah. thing. i mean in minutes i didn't know i had a right arm i mean it was just like blah, 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 blah. <laughs> jim carrey like yeah, yeah exactly yeah but so i had to have the, then i put they put me in this kind of a splint which pulled my arm way up high it wasn't one of those that keeps your arm down but it made my arm go way up high and then they kind of shipped me off. They shipped me off to bed and they said, you know, stay in your room. You know, you're not allowed to go anywhere, blah, 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 blah. Fast forward a few hours. I don't know how many hours it was because I basically passed out from the pain drugs. Um, it was kind of like a police raid. There was two guys that came into my room with flashlights. It was pitch black. And they're like, come on, come on. We got to go. We got to go. We got to go. And they're grabbing all my stuff. What else do you have here? What else is it? Where's your clothes? Where's your drums? Where's this? Where's that? Where's the other thing? And I'm so what, what, what's going on? And they're trying to shuffle me off. And, you know, we're, we're starting because they're trying to get us back to the mainland. But at that time, Hurricane Floyd was coming down the coast. So here's us. Here's South America. And here's Hurricane Floyd. Oh, okay, good. So we're coming this way and we're again, we're in this little boat. So pretty soon we're in these waves that are, you know, beep, 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 beep. come on, we got to get you out to the back deck. Okay, fine, whatever. Get to the back deck and we're in 30 foot squalls. We're moving up and down and up and down. And I don't, you know, I don't really remember too, too much about that. I just remember looking up and one of the guys had a hold of my shirt and he said, now don't, whatever you do, just don't resist. Just go with it. I said, okay, fine, whatever. Because there, that was the Brazilian Air Force had sent a helicopter, and they were trying to land the helicopter. They couldn't land it, but they were trying to drop a basket to put me in it so that they could pull me back up to take me to land because I was going to bleed to death. They were so worried about me bleeding to death, right? So you're doing this, and the helicopter's flying over. So the helicopter's having to adjust its altitude the entire time, too, because the basket is only, I don't know, 60 feet, 80 feet, however long the, the yeah. wire is. I have no idea what it is. But so they're trying to do it. They're trying to do it, and with everything moving, then this is going this way, and they're trying to grab it, but they're getting thrown all over the place on the boat. I'm getting thrown all over the place, but I don't know. I don't remember any of this pretty much. I just remember looking up and seeing a very big, bright light, and it was really raining really hard. Yeah. And... uh then I remember him saying, they got to go. They got to go. We got to get them back inside. And I thought, what? They got to go. Come to find out, they were they had passed the point of no return, whatever, in terms of gas. So they had to, they, the, the Brazilian Air Force had to flip around their chopper and go back to land. They couldn't rescue me. It was like, sorry, kid, you're on your own. But if we, if we wait any more time, we're not going to make it back to land ourselves. We're going to crash the helicopter because it'll run out of gas. Yeah. So we were far enough out to where it took them, you know, whatever, close to a half a tank or whatever to get out there and then whatever to get back. So they left. So I'm left alone and I get, they put me back in my room and all my stuff. I don't remember any of that. Could not tell you anything that happened at that point. Yeah. I just remember waking up 
the next day to the nurse. She was sitting on my bed with a needle in her hand. And she goes, okay, are you ready? And I said, sure. And she gave me another one of these shots. And it was, I don't remember what it was, but it was obviously a painkiller or something. But as I'm fading out, I think I must be still alive. So something must have worked. So boom, there we go. There's the, you know, kind of a Reader's Digest condensed version of it. So long story short, Hurricane Floyd passes in the next two days, but I'm, I'm on this ship for another two days. Um, they'd radioed ahead to the mainland, you know, to try to figure out what they could do. The Brazilian Air Force said, there's nothing we can do. This hurricane is keeping us locked in. We can't do yeah. anything. You're kind of on your own. Um, so I knew from working on the ship that if somebody dies, they put you in the freezer. So it's like with the food. Yay. Oh, yum. Yeah, not, not, not the best thing in the world. But no. So she gave me the shot. And then my next memory is my roommate coming to me and saying, man, it was a lot of fun working with you. And I thought, what, what are you talking about? He says, yeah, we were in, we're in Rio. So uh, they made us, they made a quick stop because uh, they're going to try to get you home. I said, what, what are you talking about? Yeah, they're going to try to get you home. I said, I, I have a few more days left on my contract. And they said, well, <laughs> you ain't going to do the rest of your contract, man. You're, you're kind of disabled. So... Okay, seriously? You're being weird, dog. Oh, that's because you're not getting paid attention to. I see. All right. Ready? And go. Um, so sure enough, um, they got I, I could finally turn on the light in my room, and I could see all my stuff. And I still had my arm in that sling way up here. So you can imagine... Um, how tricky it was to get six months worth of clothes, all of your cymbals, your sticks, drums, the whole nine yards with one arm here and drugged out of your mind. It sucks like, doing it got... with two arms. Yeah. So they get me out, they get me off the ship and, um, the, uh, the bursar, um, came down and she said, okay, there's a payphone down there. Um, so you call zero one one or zero one zero or something to get to an operator and then they'll connect you to the mainland. And I said, okay, why are you telling me this? She says, well, because you need to go home. Okay. <laughs> How am I going to get home? Well, it's not like I can take a cab, you know? Yeah. And she said, well, don't worry. And she tapped me on the shoulder and I thought, this is the strangest thing. And then the nurse came down the gangway and she put this bottle of pills in my, my uh, uh, split thing there. And she pinned this thing on my chest that said, basically, you know, every four hours and she had like a little a time thing on there, make sure that this guy gets two of these pills every four hours and two of these other pills every other four like you're in a nursing home like pretty much yeah so thank god this was before you know 9-11 and all that stuff so it's like because i think after 9-11 they probably would have said like well sorry buddy we're just gonna push you off into the ocean that's gonna be the end of it yeah um 
So I said, wait a minute, what, what's going on? Where's what's happening? I don't, I don't even understand what's happening. And they said, well, thank you. know, thank you for everything and whatever. It was almost like I wasn't talking to them. So maybe I wasn't cause I was still stoned out of my mind on these yeah, drugs. Sure. Yeah. So I remember looking at this payphone and kind of like, again, like in a movie where you look at the payphone and in your mind, you see the payphone coming up to you. And then I thought, wait a minute, I got to break my gaze from this. And I look back and the ship is taken off. So they basically pulled over, dropped me out and said, see ya. Not our problem anymore. <laughs> off they went. It was yeah. crazy. It was nuts. So at least that's what I remember of it. It might have yeah. been something where I filled out paperwork. I have no idea. So uh, I walk over to the payphone and I call and I thought, okay, uh, I got to, I got to, I got to, got to do this one straight. You know, like when you, when the, the first time that you had too much to drink and you try to call your parents and you try to sound, you know, totally straight. Yeah, yeah. I'm good. I'm, I'm really good. <laughs> hi, hi mom. Yeah. Hi dad. How are you? You know? <laughs> so I finally figured out, you know, I got caught, called. I'm in Rio de Janeiro. I'll call my parents and call her out. I'm like, Hey mom, um, my, my contract is, is over. She, why what, what's going on what happened i said well uh had a little accident is everything okay oh yeah everything's fine uh just uh i broke a couple fingers oh my god you broke a couple of fingers like yeah is it bad i said no 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 it's not bad um what? but <laughs> because i can't play they're they're telling me that i gotta come home so anyway uh so i'm gonna be getting uh i'll, I'll be home uh how about i call you um, when I, when I get to, to Florida, I had no idea what I was saying. It's like, yeah. she's like, where are you? <laughs> I said, I'm in Rio de Janeiro. She's like, didn't they just have a hurricane there? I said, kind of. Yeah, sort of. Yeah. But yeah, we're here now. So, uh, it's all good. And uh, I'm going to go to the airport and, uh, I guess I'll see you when I see you. Call me when you get anywhere. I said, okay, yeah, fine. And then I had to call the airline. I'm like, I have no idea how to do this, right? So I had to do everything, you know, with a credit card and all that stuff. Fortunately, I had a credit card at that point. Mm. So then I have to call the guy, uh, a taxi guy to come get me. And that was a whole nother story, which he owed some guy money and something because he, the, the guy pulled the cab over and There's so many twists and turns. In oh, the it's, it's, it's a, it's a movie. I'm telling you. Yeah, it is. Actually, one of my music history professors at, at UK said, man, you should, you should really should make this into a movie. They, they, right. yeah. Nobody would believe this story if they hadn't lived it. I said, I wouldn't believe it if I, yeah. if I didn't live it. So anyway, long story short, I get into the uh, airport in Rio de Janeiro and drugged out of my mind. And, this guy comes up to me and he grabs me and he says, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I know, I know where to take you. And he, thank God, he, he says, stay right here. And I thought, oh, boy, I'll be here for another week, but I didn't care. Cause I was, you know, way out of it. Comes back with a wheelchair, boom, sticks me in the wheelchair, he grabs all my stuff and he's carting me. Uh, what airline? I said, I don't have a ticket. What do you mean? You don't have a ticket. I said, I don't have a ticket. He goes, how did you get here? I said, the cab. Well, how, how are you getting home? I said, I'm flying home. Okay, what airline? I don't have an airline. Anyway, another long story short, come to find out I'd already made airlines, you know, connections. So we figure out which airline I'm going on. That one looks familiar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So wait, how did he know? How did he know the, that that was your situation? Did they, the crew 
line call or something? No, no. Oh, don't worry. There, there's another story behind this too. He was, he was one of those guys that said, Oh, there's somebody in need. I'm going to take it. Oh, I see. Yeah. 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 Yeah, This, this whole process cost me a hundred bucks. Jeez. Yeah. (laughs) But you know what? It's, it's some of the best hundred bucks I ever spent because I I would agree. Yeah. He did take, he did take good care of me. I mean, he got me literally to my gate, you know, and he got me, I won't say past security because I was searched with an M16 and they wanted to cut open my djembe that I bought in Africa. You know, they're like, oh, we can't do this. You could be smuggling drugs. I said, no, 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 please don't cut it open. Please, I swear to God, there's nothing in there. You can open it up. I'll take it out of the case for you. You know, just please, please, please. The minute you cut that head, this drum is worthless. It's all handmade. So please don't do that. Please don't do So that fortunately they were cool. But, you know, I had, you know, other stuff that they were in there. And they, I had a couple of cool little clay um shakers and stuff that were totally encapsulated oh yeah they they took those and they were like nope sorry you can't bring those in and uh some cool other little instruments um had a small uh, like a a a medium size like an alto didgeridoo they took that um yeah a couple of mayan drums that were really cool they were clay drums but they were they were like clay pots with skin heads on them They were like, nope, they threw them in the trash. You could hear them break. It was like, oh, God. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I still, I don't know how they let me through, but I had a barren bow. They didn't want me to take that because they thought it was a weapon. What? Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, where's I guess my it kind of does look like a... It looks like a bow. I get that, yeah. but it, it's, a, it's a musical instrument. No, a musical instrument. Why, why would you carry this? It's like, because I'm coming from Brazil, maybe, perhaps. Yeah. yeah. So get on the plane and uh it took me 27 hours to get to denver because i had to go from rio to peru peru to florida florida to new york new york to somewhere i think oklahoma and then oklahoma to denver it was the most the weirdest way to get home that's like i'm like speechless at that hop around that that path that's crazy yeah it made it made zero sense but in my drugged out delusional state that was like yeah that sounds good yeah you're on a you're on a cloud for for all that yeah literally yeah so i called i called from oklahoma or wherever the heck it was and i said yeah i'll be home at you know 315 and this was in the days that you could uh you could still go to the gates and pick up your people yeah so i get off the plane in denver colorado and my mom and dad are there and i see my mom and dad and i i haven't looked at myself in a mirror or anything else but my mom immediately starts crying and my dad who's you know world war ii and i fought in korea and i'm a military man he starts breaking down too and i thought oh my god what what what's the matter what's the matter i walk over to them and my mom just gives me this big hug and my dad gives me this big hug and i'm like what what's wrong have you seen yourself i said what do you mean i mean yeah i mean i've had a rough day but Mm. my mom said i was gray (laughs) oh yeah i said what do you mean gray she says you're gonna die soon do you realize this i said what do you mean she said you didn't tell me about your fans you didn't break your fingers i said yeah that's really what it is so she says well okay i'm I've already called a hand surgeon because I know you're full of shit. <laughs> so anyway, she got this guy and I, we had, we had an appointment the next morning and we went out and of course all of her fears were confirmed when he took the cast off and she just lost her mind. I'm sure. Yeah. So, and then of course I had to sit through, you know, many, many operations. 
The first one was like 17 hours, I think, when they tried to, you know, reconnect blood supplies and this and the other thing. Because when he first he first pulled back the thing, my entire hand was black. It was black about the middle of my wrist. And uh, he called in his nurse and he said, cancel everything I have for the rest of the day. This, this guy's got to go in now. And he looked at my mom and me and he goes, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to shoot straight. I don't think you're going to have a hand when I get done with you. Whoa, 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 yeah, what? Come down from that cloud for a second, yeah. buddy. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I'm going to need a drink before I do any yeah. of this. So he talked, you know, he talked us, walked us through it. And, you know, he said, this, this is going to be long. This is, this, this is insane. I've never seen anything quite like this. He says, you have what's called a comminuted fracture, which is basically the, the bones in both of these fingers, just like bottles. They just shattered. Mm. There's nothing left of them. The blood supply has been stripped and everything you're bleeding inside your hand. There's, there's all kinds of, you know, thing, necrosis that's happening, you know, so you're going to have, you know, you're going to have dead hands. You, you, you may lose your hand. I'll try to save it. And I said, you better save my hand. You know, I, I, I got to finish my degree. So of course we started talking about all that stuff, but, uh, like, so, oh, wait, well, yeah, where are you going? It's like, well, yeah. well, let's not talk about that right now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, you know, so it's, it was 22 months of physical therapy, five hours a day, five days a week and, uh, seven, seven operations. And, uh, Hey, I got a hand. I still got a hand. I still got it. It's proof. It's got the hand proof right here in the video version. It's still there. That's right. The video version, which yeah. I don't know if that's going to show up on your thing. I actually had a hand injury myself. Uh, Did my, you really? my hand went through a window. Yeah. Uh, my, Ooh. Thumb, my thumb did. Yeah. Ow. My, my my top thumb tendon was hanging on by a thread because the glass severed it. And what are you oh. looking at me like that for after telling me about your injury? Yeah, mine's nothing compared to that. Yeah, whatever. The, <laughs> the, uh, yeah, they reconnected it. it. It was about three months of physical therapy. It wasn't anything like 22, but I mean, it's yeah. still they got to stretch out all that scar tissue. It was right before I was auditioning oh, for, yeah. for my undergrad. So great timing oh my god uh, i had gotten in um i should say i already auditioned for the school music school part of it, it was drumline auditions i was getting ready for uh-huh. and uh yeah dude I, my thumb was like stiff for oh a year it probably so. still is yeah it's still a little <laughs> stiff i got a probably like 85 percent mobility yeah okay I still play i don't care so that's right that's all I really cared about too. I mean, I had, I had a fantastic physical therapist. I'd gone through a couple of physical therapists, but then I landed on one. I'm really, really good friends with her and her husband and they're just killer people. But I yeah. mean, she was, she was a workhorse. She's like, all right, well, I'm going to work you hard. I said, you, you know what, sis, you do what you got to do because I'm going to work 10 times harder than you're going to push me. Yep. She had to tell me, stop doing them, you know, cause you got to do your exercises. Right, and yep. I'd do them, you know, you're supposed to do them four times a day. I do them once an hour. You know, it's yeah. like, I'm, I gotta get back. I can't, she's like, you're exercising too much. You're tearing all the blah, blah, blah. I don't care. Yep. It's the way it's going to work. Yep. So anyway, yeah. But so it, you know, I mean, it worked out. Thank God, you know, knock on wood. Mm. And, uh, I have a hand. I don't have any feeling in that hand, but, um, it's there. It's there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, it's still connected. I got a little bit of feeling on the outside of my pinky and a little bit, a little bit of something, something on the thumb. And then down on my hand, it starts about here, mid wrist. Yeah. But other than that, you, you can burn it with a blowtorch. I wouldn't feel it. Sweet. We could try that if you want. I mean, you know, it's actually I did it accidentally, not a blowtorch, but I put my I had my hand on the stove. Oh yeah, I bet you were like had no idea, right? Yeah, I mean, no clue. The only thing that stopped that I that 
stopped it was I smelled skin burning. I thought, what the heck is that? Oh my God, that's my hand. <laughs> That'd be a good ending to the movie. Yeah. So like you're, you're getting used to, to not having feeling in your yeah. hand. And then the very end of scene is like, oh my God, my hand's on the stove. Yeah. Cut scene. The top hat and the cane. Da -da -da. Yeah, no, yeah. That's all folks. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. Yeah. You should really get a ghost writer and just like get, get like a screenwriter <laughs> and, and get that going. Cause I, yeah. think I think it's worth it. It would be, it would definitely be uh it would, it would be a fun movie. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't know how you would show the one scene, but you know, it, it depends on how rated R you want to make it, but yeah, well, it would definitely have to be rated R because yeah. it's it's a vision that I've never been able to get out of my brain. Oh, I'm sure, yeah, probably never will. Same when I saw bone in my thumb, I was like, yeah, I'm out. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's funny is is one of the last operations that they did, one of the uh, the exercises that they had me do is this thing called a hook fist, mm -hmm. where you you pull in your fingers like this. And so you'd have all this. Well, these two fingers, I mean, I was, I was getting that. Yeah. I was never able to do that. And I said, no, that's not enough. And they said, oh, man, come on. I mean, you, you got a hand. I mean, you should be happy with that. I said, yeah, I am happy, but I'm not happy enough. Let's keep it moving. Yeah. So the last surgery, he said, okay, well, there's only one way that I'm going to be able to do this. I'm going to need you to have control of your hand. So I'm going to give you the absolute bare minimum of numbing agent in your hand. So you might feel some of the stuff that I'm doing, but I need that to see how far you need to pull. So I said, fine. And so he did. He just gave me a little, you know, I felt the, the scalpel going in. I felt the tweezers. I felt the clamps. I felt the this, that, and the other thing. And he's pulling stuff out of there and he's ripping this and he's cutting this and he's, you know, restitching this and restitching this. And he's like, okay, move your hand. It's like, oh my God. And I'm watching this thing with, you know, my hand gaping wide open. You know, it's wow. like, that was cool. Yeah, of course. And you're, yeah. you're, a, you're a medical aficionado. Yeah. So yeah. you're like, dope. That's yeah. a, and I told him, I said, man, I've only seen this stuff, you know, in, in the books. And, you know, I've seen videos of it, but when it's yours, it's so cool. And, you know, when you see all the titanium that's in here, that's holding yeah. all this stuff together and pulling that and doing that, it's like, Oh my God, that is so cool. Yeah, I probably need another surgery to get some scar tissue removed after all the after all these years, but yeah. uh, it really doesn't bother me. I mean, it, that's good. Yeah, I mean, there's a maybe a couple, like maybe one cyst, like that's on it from scar like scar tissue cyst. I don't know how. To, maybe cyst is not the right word, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's not terrible. I mean, it does feel stiff sometimes, but. Yeah. Just stretch it out, you know. You have a good range of motion and everything with, with that and the pulling down. and Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah it's crazy because after, you know, I mean, you do so much physical therapy on the, on stuff like that. It's like the bad one actually does more than the, the one that's not so bad because right. you're working so hard. Yeah. Like that hook fist thing that I had. I mean, it's, it's almost as good as my left hand now. It's almost, you know, it's almost there. Yeah. Very close. So, yeah, that's awesome. It does feel stiff when I try to go that way, you know? Yeah. But oh, I'm I mean, sure your thumb doesn't really go completely over there anyway. So, right. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. I'm sorry that happened to you. That's terrible. God, I, I mean, but you know, it's, uh, I don't know, made me a more aware person. You know, I was like 18 when it happened. So, I mean, it made yeah. me grow up a little bit, you know? So, sure. you know, stuff happens. Yeah. Well, unfortunately that's true. Yes. You know, it's, it's, that that book when bad things happen to good people 
never read it. This book. That's it's it's a it's a good book, but it, it's it's so true in life. It's like mm. you, you hear about you know these, these people that you know they're a single mom. They've done this. They've done that. They've went. And they got their PhD in this. They're they're a part time firefighter, and you know they they spend time you know feeding the homeless and they do that. And it's like everything about them is just clean as a whistle. And then you know their entire family gets killed in a car accident but her and then she loses her house because of the medical payments and whatever it's like come on are you serious yeah i mean it's weird the way the universe works like that it's uh i don't know they stokes are always like talking about how it's insightful to think about your own mortality and stuff like that you know so you know i'm just you know as long as i'm alive and playing drums i'm good you know that's goes back to kind of like what we talked about earlier which is why I like podcasts like this because they all kind of come f- full circle you know it's it's sure um yeah i don't know he's you, you got to be thankful for the, ex- for the experience as opposed to like just being mad about it all the time you know use right. it to your to your to your growth but uh, are you good on you got to go you got you got got some stuff you got to do for time and stuff like that or are you good to i'm go? good you're good. good. Yeah. Good. yeah. Yeah. I mean, you tell me your schedule. I'm I'm on your schedule. Oh, I mean, these things and I mean, we're at an hour and a half already. So oh my God. <laughs> yeah. They fly by. Yeah. Wow. That's insane. Well, I mean, uh, I mean, yeah, but I think the thing to take from this is that no no matter what happens, I mean, like you gotta find a way to get through it and and to and especially when it, it jeopardizes something you love to do, which is pretty much your entire life, right? I yeah. mean drums the career we chose and and everything like that that's why you know especially now i'm very very careful with my hands and yeah after that incident and so it's uh one of the reasons why i related to your story is because you know when this happened i was like there's what if i have no mobility in my thumb i can't grip a stick or whatever you know it was very eye-opening to say the least you know yeah, well, that was one of my things was, um, and I probably should have done it in hindsight, um, but I probably should have gone to see a psychiatrist or a psychologist because I just kept, you know, uh, and my, you know, my mom, my, my mom and dad were basically saying, you know, you need to go get some therapy, you know, some mental therapy. Yeah, it's traumatic. Oh, look at this boy or girl. Hey, little girl. Want to say hi? Say is, hi. That a, is that a, is bass that a basset hound, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep beautiful dog yeah thank you yeah yeah but i mean it was like who am i going to talk to how are they going to understand what i'm going through you know they're they're not going to understand they didn't go through this they're just a you know they're they're a doctor and that's all they're going to do they're going to they're going to say all the psychobabble and you know because i was in such physical pain but also you know emotional pain and mental you know so but i think that the silver lining for it is i have you know you become way more compassionate mm-hmm you know, the minute somebody like that has some sort of an injury or anything that sets back their career, you can immediately feel that. And you're probably a much better source for them because you can understand it. Yeah. You know, and so I've had to, you know, I've I've had to not throw the entire story out for people in the past, but, you know, I've had people that are having some trouble, having some difficulty going through an injury or something. And they'll be like, well, how do you know? (laughs) Well, let me tell you yeah i'll tell you my story and they're like wow okay so then you know i mean you you almost act as kind of a crutch for them to help them get through it you know right exactly i didn't know that back then obviously because you're 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 wallowing in your own whatever 
And, you know, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I, like I said, hindsight's twenty twenty, and it would, probably would have been nicer to have somebody tell me that, look, no, we don't know what you're going through, but we can help you through it. Yeah, absolutely. But, the, uh, yeah, man, I just think your, your story is very inspiring. I mean, it, you, it, like you're still playing, you know, like that's why I find it inspiring is because you yeah. don't let it. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, you talk about pushing further and further in physical therapy. You talk about, you know, just making sure you can get back to the, to the kit, to the, to the, to the craft. Yeah, you know? yeah absolutely. And that, that's what it was. I mean, it was, it was that call that just kept saying, no, you're not done. You're not mm -hmm. done. I mean, yeah, you got hurt. Big whoop a doo da day. Go pick up drumsticks, go pick up mallets, figure out how you're going to do this. Yeah. Um, the, the hardest part of it was, was doing that uh, stupid lecture recital for my, my doctorate because I had to submit, um, submit proof of my accident, not really proof of my accident, but you know, cause my, my deadline was coming up and I asked for an extension and they gave me five years. And I thought five years, it sounds like a long time, but in terms of having to like relearn how to write, um, yeah. I had to basically relearn everything from scratch in my right hand. So um, five years, it was, it was close or maybe it was two years. No, it was five years. Mm. And towards the end of that five years, I mean, it, it worked out, but yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, I just want to, I wanted to tell you that, that I do find it inspiring, you know, cause we are, cause I did have an injury myself. And so when I heard that, when you share that with the studio, um, a couple of years ago, it was, it was very, uh, you know, it is, it's like with anything, right. You hear about some, you're something you're going through and you find somebody who else, who also went through it already. Yeah. It's one of those things, you know, so. Yeah. It's like a kinship immediately, you know, exactly, because, yeah. We don't have to go through all the BS of, hi, I'm Marcus. Hi, I'm Josh. How are you? It's like, yeah. no, no, no. We, got, we, we connect on a much deeper level immediately. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so, yeah, no, that's cool. I'm, I'm, I'm glad, you know, I'm, I'm glad that I'm, as I'm getting older and wiser, I'm realizing that that's part of the reason for this, I think, you know, is just to I agree, so yeah. I can't share my story and share my compassion for people that have had similar things. Yeah. And that, you know, that's why I wanted to have you on and uh, hopefully anybody listening to this can relate to and learn something from being inspired by it. Um, I uh, can't thank you enough for coming on. Truly. Well, I appreciate you asking me, Josh. I'm really, I mean, I've, I've uh, been kind of checking your shows out, you know, and uh, listening to them on the podcast and they're great and they're fantastic. Thank Thanks for asking me, you know, and uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun talking to you and getting to, you know, kind of hang out with you for a little while. And I appreciate the opportunity to do so. Likewise. Yeah. It's, it's been a while, it's been a while since I've seen you. I think I last, I saw you was last PASIC. So, um, or, uh, PASIC 2019 actually. Yeah. Uh, so it's, uh, yeah, it's been a while, but you know, uh, it's always a pleasure talking to you. I want to like, again, like I said, can't thank you enough for coming on, uh, any projects you want to plug that, you know, new music coming out or anything like that, any, anything like that you want to plug? Um, well, I mean, uh, the uh, one of the bands that I'm playing with um, is is actually kind of reforming. We're, we're we're kind of putting new formats out there, so we're in the studio right now, um, putting together a couple of different recordings. We're gonna try to do some sort of a little concept thing where um, the same band is gonna be playing three different albums of three completely different styles of music. Wow. So yeah, it's it's and we're I think we're gonna try to release it as one album, like a triple sided album. Um, so it's like almost like three EPs. So it'll be fun. It'll be really cool. One will be kind of a, 
uh, a rock thing. Then one's going to kind of be this kind of fusion funky thing. And then another one is going to be kind of a bluegrass type of thing. That's awesome. That's incredible. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. It'll, yeah. it'll be a lot of fun. It so. sounds fun. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, you, no release date for any of that yet, but uh, I'll definitely, you know, keep you in the loop on that. Yeah, please do so I can share it. Um, you can look out for for that and more from Marcus. Uh, and you can follow my stuff at Hartwell Drums on Instagram and Twitter. Twitter is just a cesspool, so I don't know if I'm even going to participate in that anymore. But, um, yeah, watch your stocks, by the way. So the uh, you can follow me at www.hartwelldrums.com for all my stuff. Uh, again, uh, appreciate all the monthly supporters that we're, we've been getting. It's truly appreciated. It goes to stuff like the new logo, um, new equipment, stuff like that, making the podcast better. So I love so, that new logo, man. It's oh, killed. thanks. I appreciate yeah. it. Grant killed it, man. It's it's exactly what I wanted. So, um, yeah, a lot of new and exciting stuff coming for 2021 with podcast. Um, if you're listening on a major streaming platform like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, please give us a five star review, uh, or you know whatever you want to give us. I don't know. It could be a three. I don't know. Whatever you want to do, leave a review, subscribe. Um, new episodes out every week. And I greatly appreciate the support. That's it for this one. We'll 